This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that sometimes just likes to do things myself. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 55 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are talking about DIY shed tips. So if you're interested in building a shed or you're thinking about it or you're not sure if you want to do it, um, this is an awesome episode for you. We're going to cover a lot of details about building your own shed and you know, having a storage shed is a really handy thing. And um, so we're going to talk about that today. Before we talk about that, I got a couple things to knock out first. First, we're going to talk about today's favorite plant. Now it's, you know, mid-February right now. Uh, we're in the thick of the cold winter here in Southwest Ohio. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to, you know, some warmer weather. It's not going to be here for a little while. But there are opportunities to bring some color into the landscape already. And so I want to highlight one of those plants today, if this plant is right for you and your space. And so today's plant is the Ozark Witch Hazel. And this is a plant that we can't grow in our yard without amending the soil and that sort of thing. But maybe this is something that can grow in your space. So let's talk about it and talk about why this plant's awesome. So the Ozark Witch Hazel is a really interesting plant. Um, It's uh, Latin name is Hamamelis vernalis, um, and vernalis uh, comes from a Latin root, which uh, vernal is a. Uh, I think what is what is the Latin name? It might be vernalis. Actually, that means spring. Anyway, um, my uh, high school and early college. Yes, I took some Latin in college. Um, high school and early college Latin uh, is getting a little rusty, I guess. But anyway, um, so this plant blooms in January through March, depending upon where you live. And so it has a super early bloom when everything else in the landscape, you know, appears to be either sleeping or dead or just, you know, kind of drab. So um, this was really an interesting plant in that it blooms in such an odd time frame. These blooms are really unique. It's not like your giant, you know, tulip flower or anything like that or a rose. Instead, it's these little tiny flower clusters that are at the base of the the branch and stems uh, of this shrub. And so, yes, this is a shrub. And, um, you know, I, I guess the best thing I can p- compare it to is if you've ever seen a red bud in bloom. The buds of the red bud are little clusters of these bright pinkish red flowers. I guess they're not even really red. They're pinkish flowers um, right at the base of the stems and, and the branches. So uh, very similar to that in the these flower clusters. Uh, it grows in USDA zones 4 through 8. And here's where it's really important. It prefers acidic moist soils with high organic content. So these plants are native to stream beds uh, alongside of, you know, stream banks in the Ozark region of the United States. So that's like, uh, you know, like Western Missouri, uh, throughout Arkansas, and even a little bit of Western Oklahoma. Um, This is where this plant is native to. So it's not exactly a native plant for Southwest Ohio. It is a U.S. native plant, though. And so this is a, you know, has a pretty small native region. It is grown and cultivated throughout um, much of the United States and uh, throughout the world, for that matter. But um, it, it does, it is capable of growing throughout a larger region than its original native 
region. Okay, so the reason we can't grow it is we do not have acidic soil, and so it would actually kind of struggle here. Um, this shrub grows 6 to 10 feet tall and 8 to 15 feet wide, so it's a pretty decently sized shrub. There are a lot of cultivars of different sizes, so if you need a smaller sized shrub, uh, you can consider a lot of the the cultivars. And the cultivars are selected for various things, um, size, color, uh, and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of differences out there. This plant is prone to suckering to form thickets. So basically this means it, it shoots out these root suckers um, where the, as the roots grow out, they shoot up little bits of stem to start growing into a new shrub. And so it slowly expands um, to form thickets. So Give it plenty of space or grow it in a contained area to prevent that or just, you know, continually prune it each year um, and it'll take care of it as well. But it'll be something you'll have to do every year on a regular basis. Um, one other note for this plant that's really cool is it has this beautiful fragrance. And so, it, again, it stands out so much because of the time of year that it blooms and also um, you know, this fragrance that comes along with it. It's just, it's amazing. So, um, consider the witch hazel. If you're looking for something that has a little pop this time of year, uh, it's a great plant for that matter. Um, you know, if you're tired of the evergreens and that sort of thing, uh, this is something that brings a little bit of variety to your space. Okay. So let's talk about the next thing, which is we're getting very close to, uh, we'll be launching the full scale membership soon. Uh, so we're right in the thick of our, founding membership trial period. So right now we have the founding members working through our first course development with the Easy Living Yards membership. They're kind of, you know, working out some of the kinks, uh, getting the wheels greased for opening it up to the broader membership. So if you are interested in being one of those first members to really make a significant difference in your landscape this year, uh, then consider joining the membership. And all you have to do is go to ely.how slash membership to check out all the uh, information there and to join as well. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. All right, let's get into the main topic of today, which is DIY shed tips. So we built a giant behemoth of a storage shed uh, on our property several years ago. And I want to share some of the things we've learned with building our shed on our landscape and pass that along to you and you can consider whether or not you would like to do this as well. Of course, there's plenty of those options where you just jump over to Lowe's and get one of those, you know, pre-built sheds, or there's, um, you know, a lot of companies that sell these pre-built sheds as well. And if that's something you want, uh, that's, a, that's fine. You know, there's nothing, nothing necessarily wrong with those sheds. Um, there are some trade-offs, you know, that you want to consider Then We'll get into some of those details as, you know, benefits, trade-offs, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, let's just jump right in. So first of all, if you're considering building a shed, this is a big project. No matter what size the shed is, it's a pretty decent project. So the the thing I want to stress here is that you need to plan this very well. The most amount of time, or maybe not the most, but a significant portion of time should be spent planning your shed before you even consider uh, breaking ground to start building or, you know, whatever you, turning the saw, right? Something. Before you start building your shed, you should really have things planned out very clearly. This is not 
a hodgepodge type project. Basically what you're building is a mini house, right? This is a tiny little mini house that's just unfurnished on the inside. So you're building the structure of what could be used as this tiny house. Now, there's a couple of things I want to go through before we talk about the actual planning and installation process or construction process. And the first is friends. A lot of times you think about, oh, I'll just invite over a bunch of friends and we'll get it slapped together and built pretty quickly. You know, it's like a mini barn raising party, right? Well, first, the Amish really know what they're doing when they have barn raising parties. They know the whole process. They know who does what and how to get it done. It's like, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a tradition, right? Well, a shed raising party is not exactly the same. You have to have things planned out very well. um, And you want to have specific types of work. So people aren't stumbling across each other, getting hurt, um, getting drunk (laughs) or, um, you know, doing just crazy stuff. So, um, so the way I recommend working with friends is to have specific project days that can be very useful. And, and during those project days, you should have goals in mind and specific tasks laid out to utilize the people that are coming over to help you and that it actually is helpful. So this requires a lot of pre-work. So you have to do the pre-work ahead to plan ahead and also be prepared to step aside and lead when necessary. If, if you know there's instruction needed or teamwork or that sort of thing, um, that's very important. And so good examples of having friends come over are when you're ready to do the walls or the roof or the siding, you know, like big tasks that could really use uh, more than one person, especially to get the job done much faster. And so that way you can, you know, break out tasks, you know, you can have somebody measuring stuff, you can have somebody cutting stuff, you can have somebody framing things together. And then when it's time, you know, you get everybody together to raise a wall, and then to anchor it in place quickly and support, uh, support it with stabilizers, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's really helpful at certain times to have people helping you. Now, our shed, I built it almost completely by myself. There were specific things where I had people come over to help, um, specifically with raising. I built trusses for our shed, and so raising the trusses and putting together the roof frame was something I had teamwork helping me with. And uh, also some of the walls I had help with, too. Some of the walls I actually raised myself, which was quite a task. Um, But this is a project. It's a big project, and I just want you to be prepared for what you're getting yourself into. And with planning and with, you know, conscious, uh, good design, it's doable. It's, it's definitely a doable project. This isn't something that's um, incredibly difficult. It's just something that requires some planning, some uh, pre-thought, and some understanding of what you're doing. And if you break it down into bite-sized pieces, it's very doable. I mean, think about it. It's like, you know, you're, you're building f- four simple walls, a roof, a very simple roof, and then, um, uh, you know, you need a base to support it. That's essentially what the shed is. And, you, of course, you need access. So you need some doors in there, right? Maybe some windows. That's really it. So, so planning each of those steps out can really uh, make a big difference to get the project done correctly. Okay, next thing, make sure you are clear on the the size needs and budget. The the worst thing you want to do, well, a couple the both of these things are really bad, right? You don't want to plan and build a smaller shed than you need and then realize you max out the space right away and you still need storage space, right? So so usually err on the side of a little bit bigger. Um, so on your size needs, I recommend you plan out your size and you add 10 to 20% extra 
and likewise for your budget. So when it comes to your budget, that's also a horrible thing. You, you're building and suddenly you realize, oh, you didn't plan for all these extra little things that, uh, are going to also cost money. And so then you, um, you know, maybe you're out a little bit or you, maybe you have to stretch the project out a lot longer. And so again, plan for maybe 10 to 20% extra on your budget as well. And I would say too, another piece to throw in here is time, you know, add 10 to 20% of the amount of time you think it will take. And it might even take longer than that, depending upon how, you know, what problems you run into, how much help you have, uh, what the weather does, that sort of thing. Okay. So let's jump into the planning process. This isn't necessarily a comprehensive guide, but it'll help you. What I want to do is help you consider all of the the parts to building your shed and what you really need to consider. And then it's up to you to go make the decision on what's right for you because everything's different based on your, um, you know, your family, your needs, your space, your uh, a budget, um, the amount of time you have, and that sort of thing. So, you know, if you have a decent budget and you don't have a whole lot of time, maybe it's best to order one of those pre-built sheds and have it, you know, delivered on some skids and propped up with some concrete blocks and, uh, you know, you're done, right? It's a, you know, a Saturday morning, uh, you know, you wake up with no shed and by lunchtime you have a shed. Uh, so that could be a possibility for you if that's something that, uh, you know, is, is in the cards for you. Now there's trade-offs, of course, I, you know, your, your shed is propped up on concrete blocks. It's not anchored down. Um, and that's, you know, might be something important to you. Um, so, you know, there's things to consider certainly for that, but, um, this what I, my point is that you know things differ based on who you are, what your needs are, um, and what uh, availability of resources you have. Okay, let's jump into the planning process. The first thing I want to cover with planning is location. So when it comes to location of your shed, you need to consider several things. Access. So how are you going to get to your shed? Um, So is it something in the back corner of your property? Is that really convenient Um, view? So is it, you know, is it going to be an eyesore in a certain area? That's why a lot of people put it in the back corner of their property. But of course, that's less convenient. You're not as likely to go there. So there's kind of a trade off there, of course. So you have to determine the right access, the right view, the ease of use. So is it sited in an area where you can use, use it for what it's intended and easily get to it? easily get things in and out of it as well. Um, So that's important. Utilities. Are you going to need utilities for it? Do you want to run electric to your shed? If so, is it easy to run those utilities to your shed? Um, So that's something important to consider as well. Or, you know, maybe it's like kind of one of those off-grid sheds. Maybe you want to put a few solar panels on top. Well, do you have the right amount of solar access? You know, is it get enough sun right there for that? Uh, need. Um, Next is easements. Very important. If you build a shed and it's on an easement of some sort, you're going to have to move that shed. That's simple as that, or you're going to have to pay some steep fines. So you want to make sure that your shed's not sited on easement. And there, there are not just property line easements. There are several other easements as well. So, so you have your setback easements where you have to have your shed, shed set back so far from the property line. So, you know, kind of into your property um, somewhat. And so you have to check what that easement is for each property line on your property because they can differ between, you know, two different types of property lines. Also, you have drainage easements. So if there is a a watershed drainage that you cannot impede, there might be an easement there. You might have underground utilities that you don't even know about, maybe, um, 
before this project. So you have to check with your local um, municipality, with your county government to um, understand what sort of easements lie on your property and where you can place a shed. So you might have an underground power line running through your backyard that you're not familiar with or an underground gas line. And that's important that you cannot build on top of that. Um, So you got to make sure um, you're keeping those things clear. Okay. Um, Now, next, after you determine the appropriate location, what about the base or foundation? How well do you want your shed to be anchored? Now, I have uh, I'm I have a neighbor who has their, they got one of these pre-built sheds I was talking about. It's a pretty nice looking little shed. Um, It has a nice steel roof to it. Um, It has uh, cedar timber lap siding. Um, It has two windows and double doors on the front that open up nice and wide for their riding mower and a nice wooden ramp uh, coming down from it. And that it was a pre-built shed that they ordered. It was delivered to their home, and it's put up on concrete blocks. And um, so for them, that's good enough, and that's okay. For me, I didn't want something that was just sitting on top of blocks. I We do live in a—it's it's not particularly common, but we do live in a tornado-prone area. I didn't want something that was just going to, you know— up and be blown around with high winds, um, which is possible with a shed. Think about it. It's a giant uh, wind um, catch, right? Uh, Big, tall walls and stuff. So I didn't want that to happen. I also just liked the idea of having something fixed in the ground. So I chose not to do that. Mine is anchored in the ground with, uh, I believe it's, let's see nine uh four by six posts across my shed so it's it's pretty well anchored now those posts go down pretty deep uh down below the frost line so it's to us it's for us it's uh below 36 inches so i think i i dug down as far as i could until i was hitting um stone breaking drill bits um that sort of thing and uh and and then anchored the the posts down there. And so, um, ours is a little bit better anchored. It's a lot more work to do that. Um, you could also maybe place it on a concrete pad. A lot of people do that as well. So you got to determine what type of base you want for your shed. Do you want a concrete pad, which can be expensive is a decent amount of work in its own right. If you're planning to do concrete elsewhere on your property, test doing it first to practice on something like a shed is a great idea. Just pouring a simple rectangular concrete pad and floating it out and trying to do it properly is a great way to learn how to do concrete and and then prepare yourself for concrete work that may be a little bit more advanced. And so if that's something you're, you know, that's kind of getting into expert DIY stuff, I would say. So if that's something you're considering elsewhere on your property, it might be worth it even just for the practice of putting in a shed uh, pad on concrete on your property. Now, of course, once you put down concrete, it's pretty permanent, uh, type thing. So you really got to make sure that's something you want to do. Okay. So the other options is you can also, instead of just having it on skids on top of concrete blocks, you could also have a level gravel pad that you place it on. And then you have skids on top of that. So there's several options out there is, is kind of what I'm pointing out. And there's no particularly right answer it does vary based on your drainage of your area how much moisture you get what's the wind um, like in your area and um, you know if you're in a hurricane prone region you might not even be able allowed to place it on top of skids that might just not be even in the cards so uh, just check out for your area what you can do and also what you would like to do so um, 
that's enough about the base and the foundation. So next, also very important, check building codes, permits, and approvals that are necessary for building your shed. So for our shed, uh, our shed is 12 by 16 foot. I think that ends up being 196 square feet, if my math is correct. And that was the maximum our shed could go without me having to file a construction permit with the county. So instead, all I had to do was get a zoning approval through our local township, and that was it. So for the zoning approval, that was still a pretty involved process. I had to pay a little bit of money. I had to write up very specific plans of what our shed was going to be and also its location on our property to show that was not uh, infringing on any easements, send it in, wait for the application to be approved, and then I had to have that zoning permit open and available for inspection if necessary during the construction process. So it's kind of scary sounding, but basically you look up, if you have any questions, you call the township, talk to one of their administrators, and they'll kind of walk you through the process. Just let them know, maybe this is your first time, let them know that and just tell them, you know, you want to make sure you're compliant and so on and so forth. And they'll make sure that you're doing the right thing. Okay. And, and really what it is, it's a, it's kind of one, it earns money for the township, but two, and more importantly, it makes sure that there's no construction going on that might be unsafe or, um, in a, you know, in a place that it's not supposed to be. That's really what those, those approvals are for. Okay. So make sure you check with your municipalities. So if you live in a city, uh, township, whatever, you know, check with your local government if they do have any sort of zoning requirements for something like a shed. And then also your HOA. A lot of HOAs, unfortunately, do not allow short storage sheds. So you got to check whether you're not even allowed. Um, and then also check with your county government. And if you have any questions and trouble accessing this, I would say contact your local government, tell them what you're doing, and then ask them if you need to contact anything else. If you need to contact the county or if you need to go figure out some state approval thing. I think it's very rare that there's any sort of state approval. Most of it's done at the county level. Okay, next your utilities. Make sure you're not building on top of your utilities. So make sure you call and get your utilities marked. A lot of areas, I think you just called uh, 811 uh, and uh, it'll, you know, contact the right people to get your utilities marked. Usually it's a free service because the um, utility companies don't want anybody damaging their underground utilities. So make sure you know where they are on your property and that you're not going to damage them and cause any expensive and potentially dangerous mistakes. Uh, also your utility needs. So we kind of talked about this already, but if you need utilities run to your location where you're building, make sure you plan that out. The work you need to do. Our shed right now is about, uh, I want to say about 40 feet from the base foundation of our home. And eventually I may run electric to it. Right now I don't. It is very inconvenient at times um, and because uh, a lot of time, you know, it's after work, after work hours when I am in the shed trying to do something. And so it's difficult to uh, see sometimes without uh, having any electric run out there. So uh, it is a nice thing to have. It's extra work, of course. So it's something you need to consider is where you would run electricity and how to do it uh, in the best way. Okay, um, next planning for drainage. So when you're siting your shed, determining location, hopefully you're not placing it in a place that is, uh, gets pooling of water, especially if you're, well, I guess 
for any reason, you don't want it located in somewhere where you get pooling of water. So you want to make sure it's in a a well-drained area. And likewise, you want to make sure that the roof runoff is managed properly um, so it's not going to cause long-term erosion issues for the foundation of your shed or just in general for your property or somebody else's property. So that's important to consider as well. Next is the entrance size and direction. So you want to, of course, make sure that you have an appropriate sized entrance. Like I mentioned that our neighbor uses their shed to store their riding lawnmower. And so, of course, you need to have something bigger than a standard width door for access to that shed. And uh, likewise, too, uh, for our shed, we have a we have a regular, I think it's about like a 36-inch door on the the short end of our shed, uh, so one of the ends of it. And then on the side of the shed, we have a giant uh, double uh, door that swings open wide, kind of like, you know, two big barn doors. And, um, and they allow very nice, comfortable access to the front of the shed. And so... I decided to err on the side of more access. Of course, the more doors you put on the shed, the less interior storage space you have with shelving or storage of items on that wall space. So that's also something to consider is you don't want doors everywhere, of course, because then you minimize the amount of storage on the interior space. Now, also with this entrance, you want to make sure it's in the appropriate direction as well to where you'll access it most easily and most often. So uh, the not just the, you know, what size entrances you have, but also where they're located. Is it the most appropriate for your shed? Okay, uh, next is the roof pitch or style. So there are multiple styles to a roof. You have your like double gabled barn type roofs which is what our neighbor has, where it has two different slopes on it. Uh, It's a gentler slope near the peak and then more steep on the side. Or you have your typical single gable um, roof where it's just, you know, a slanted roof panel on each side with a peak in the middle. And uh, you can have a gentler or a steeper pitch for that, of course. You also have just a single sloped shed where it you know has a peak on one side and the valley is on the opposite wall and so it's just a giant slant and that's also an option for our shed we chose a single gabled shed where it had um, just typical eight foot walls on all sides and then a about a two foot total pitch in the center and it might have been actually I might have done about a three foot pitch um, and so Uh, That way you have just a little bit of height. You have to have enough height, of course, to allow the water to run off appropriately. Um, But you don't need to have it incredibly steep, of course, too. Ours, yeah, I think ours is either two and a half or three foot. Um, What we ended up doing is, well, I ended up doing was uh, I used the trusses as a... um, as basically an access to a second level of storage, too. So I can store stuff on top of the trusses the i guess the bottom part of the truss where it's like a uh a horizontal rafter about eight foot tall and then uh, i have a small catwalk across there as well so i can go up there through a trap door and uh, this is getting fancy of course i of course i had to make it too fancy right um and so i can get up there basically very uncomfortably and store some boards up there i have a lot of plant pots, of course, and that sort of thing, just to kind of get stuff up and out of the way, utilizing and maximizing the usage of the space. 
Okay, so don't necessarily recommend you getting super fancy unless that's something you're into. Um, but of course, each complexity you add adds more work. So, um, okay, back to the roof. Make sure you have the right pitch to it. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head the... I forgot to write it down and look it up beforehand, but you want to make sure it's a, a, enough of a slant um, where it's not going to cause uh, major problems. And if I do recall, I'll um, try and put this in the show notes for you. Okay, uh, next is your, well, as also with your roof, um, the type of roof you want. Uh, is important. So ours, we decided to do a metal roof. <laughs> and unfortunately, it does not match with our house. Um, but we chose a metal roof. For one, it doesn't look necessarily unattractive. And two, it's incredibly long lasting. So we just wanted something durable that we didn't have to worry about. And um, uh, luckily, too, we found some good quality uh, sheet metal roofing that was on sale. And so it was a pretty good uh, uh, deal as well. And it was basically the same price as what we would have paid for asphalt shingles. And so that's, of course, your other option is you could do asphalt shingles or, you know, one of your fancier roofing materials as well. Okay, now let's move inside for a moment and think about um, you know, a lot of time we get into, well, we're going to build this shed, you know, it's going to be so cool, but we don't really think much about the interior. So what about shelving, uh, workspace areas, storage, that sort of thing? How's that going to be managed and how are you going to utilize it the best? So the better we use this space, the more space we have that's, you know, um, functional and helpful as opposed to just kind of a pile of clutter. You know, that's what we want to avoid. That's the reason we're getting a storage shed in the first place is because we have too much stuff, right? So, um, uh, how are you going to manage that appropriately? So really think about the shelving in the workspace. So we have a nice workbench along the back. I'm not saying ours is the best design. It was more kind of like I had this workbench anyway. I moved it to the shed and I uh, put in some shelving and then I have some tool storage that I would love to improve on somehow anyway. So, um, Make sure you plan it out. It'll go a long way to helping you utilize the shed the best. Because once you build this and once you kind of move on to the next project, it's much tougher to go back and change it just because your focus is no longer on it. So the better you plan it up front to utilize it properly and to build it into the project, the more likely it will to get be, to be done properly and d- done well. Okay, Back to the outside and the finishing touches, uh, the exterior styling. So we talked about the roofing material that you might like to use. What about the styling of your shed too? Do you want it to match the architecture of your home? So do you want to use similar uh, siding maybe? Or maybe you have a stucco home. Well, perhaps you can at least uh, accent the color of it. Maybe you want to go out and do a stucco shed. Uh, Might be interesting. Um, So how do you want to uh, blend your shed to feel like it's part of the property. And that's more of a design thing, of course. Ours right now sticks out like a sore thumb because we actually use a lot of repurposed materials for our shed, which is, you know, kind of important to me. Um, But unfortunately, it doesn't really blend in with our landscape very well. And so that's a huge trade-off for us that we had to decide whether or not we would do. And so we might go back one day and address it to make it fit better. Um... I don't see too many sheds that are brick clad, of course, but perhaps you can do something that really brings it together with uh, color or um, similar material types without having to go all out with exactly the same material. 
So I think you get kind of what I'm saying, even just using similar shutters, if you have shutters on your home, um, matching the shutters might go a long way if you have windows. Um, of course, they're pretty much non-functional, but they are a nice architectural accent that could really kind of pull the space together and and really make it look like it belongs. So that's actually kind of important, um, especially too from a resale standpoint. The more things feel cohesive with the property, the more value there is to it. And and the more things seem just deliberate, planned out, and and not kind of hodgepodge. And that actually goes a long way toward helping sell uh, a place, as well as sometimes even increasing the perceived value of the place. All right, so let's do a quick run through the installation process. We're already bumping up on 30 minutes here, so um, I don't want to take this show too long. But um, let's talk about installation and how to go through the process. This is kind of like the order I would recommend. It doesn't have to be done in this order um, always, but this is kind of what I would recommend. And um, yeah, just kind of some things to think about with each step. So first, of course, the base preparation. So we talked about, you know, you have to select the type of base you would like. And that would, of course, the amount of preparation would vary based on what you do. So if you're pouring a concrete pad, for example, you got to make sure the space is level. You got to make sure you have appropriate sub base for the concrete. So um, crushed gravel, most likely uh, several inches of it that are compacted and well um, drained. So you don't have, you know, raising or lowering of your concrete pad with water damage and ice damage, um, that sort of thing. So, um, all in all, it's uh, usually a good idea to level the space. So if you're just setting your shed up on blocks, at least you have to get the blocks level, right? So you need a level floor for your shed. Um, however you decide to do that. So make sure you kind of figure that piece out first. The base is very important. If you don't have it, um, level and you don't have a nice square, um, space, you know, square meaning all right angles, not necessarily an exact square, but, um, you you don't have the space set out, right. You're going to have difficulty with the installation. So next is the foundation. So this is if, uh, whether you're deciding to do, um, a, a post foundation like us, you have to do the digging and setting the posts, which is a pretty, um, you know, pretty big process in its own right. Um, or putting in concrete or blocks or gravels and gravel with skids or whatever it is, you have to prepare that foundation, get that foundation set and do it properly first before you move forward with any of the other stuff. And so of course, each of these steps is really important in making sure that it's square with uh, good right angles and it also nice and level too on all corners. And next, of course, the floor. So you you kind of see we're going from the ground up here. So the floor, you want to have your joists set properly at the right spacing. Um, so for floor joists, it's usually recommended with construction to be at 24 inches on center. So that means the center of each board is 24 inches apart from each other. Um, and if you want to have uh, supporting machinery in there, you might even want to consider closer than that or stronger joists. So the taller the joist, the more support you have. Um, the shorter the joist, the less support you have, so on and so forth. You can also use eye joists instead of that are you know made from engineered uh, plywood type materials. They have pretty good support as well. They might uh, 
make you a little less expensive. So uh, something to consider there. Uh, so set the joists, get everything nice and square um, with each corner. Uh, and so a nice way to do that is if you measure the diagonal from one corner to the opposite corner and then go back and measure the other diagonal, they should be equal. And that means all four corners are square. So measuring those diagonals is very helpful to figure out whether or not your your foundation, your flooring is square. And so make sure that's completely square before you go forward. Okay, now the flooring, once you're square, you can put on the flooring. That'll kind of hold everything into place. Uh, and then you can move on to the wall. So with the walls... Basically, you have two steps. You have the framing and the cladding. And then, of course, later on, you have these, the exterior finish. But for now, with the actual structure of the wall, you can do this one of two ways. You can build the framing in place. So vertically, uh, build the frame and then kind of slap on the exterior uh, plywood piece. Or you can build the wall uh, on a nice flat surface and then put it up once it's built. So you build the framing uh horizontally on the ground on a nice flat surface uh, put on the plywood uh, siding if or you know cladding um, if that's what you're using and then raise the whole wall all together and that's actually the process I chose to do with our shed um, it just helped me with how I was building it and also doing it myself that's the way I chose to do it uh, with putting the pieces of plywood on on the ground as opposed to holding them up vertically while trying to put them on so uh, either way is doable, and um, and of course construction people they have their strong opinions one way or the other. But for a storage shed, you can kind of do either way. So uh, after you get the walls up, you also want to make sure the the tops of the walls have a nice lap board that overlaps. So I actually did two levels of wood on the top. So you have your the top that covers your studs, the top lap board, and then you have another one that overlaps to cover the next. Uh, wall over uh, if, if this makes any sense so basically then you have two layers of plywood that interlock with each other and hold the whole wall structure together okay once you get the walls together then you're moving on to the roof so you have to frame out your roof and then you add your roofing material so for the frame you can do either rafters or trusses for rafters what you're doing is generally speaking you're putting in a well you can do two things uh, you can put in your peak board that runs along the the peak of your, um, your roof. And so you kind of raise it up from the sides, set it in place, and then you relay your trusses up to it, butt it up to the peak, uh, and then they, of course, rest on the top of the wall. So that's one option. The second option is to, you don't have to necessarily have that peak board as long as you align your rafters appropriately uh, and you can just button the rafters up end to end to each other, uh, lock them in real well, and um, and then uh, fix them in as well. Now, if you're doing that, you might also just want to consider doing uh, trusses, which is what I decided to do. I built little tiny trusses. Uh, I think the style I used was a king truss, um, so where there was a post in the center going from the base. So there's a board that runs along the top of the wall um, across the span of the shed. And then I had a board running from the center of that horizontal piece up to the peak. And then I had two 
one board for each roof angle as well that came along the side or along the top edge where the roof would sit. Uh, I hope these descriptions help and aren't just incredibly confusing. And so I built trusses 24 inches on center and that's enough, you know, if you're not supporting any weight on your roof for a small roof, it's certainly doable. Um, and so I built the trusses, raised them up, locked them into place with some holding boards and then put on the sheeting, uh, so I decided to do both a plywood sheeting uh, followed by a metal roof. You don't necessarily have to do that for a metal roof. That's what I chose to do. Um, and then, of course, if you're doing shingles, you put down your, your plywood uh, base, your sheeting for your roof, and then you put on the shingles on top of that, starting from the bottom, working up to the top. Okay, so uh, after your roof, uh, let's talk about window and door installation. Now, if you planned for windows and doors, hopefully you built your walls appropriately um, to where you don't have a stud running through it. And uh, if you do, what you do is you frame it out, frame out the window and put in support studs to hold the the um, the the boards in place. So um, uh, the so with your door on the top of it, you have what's like a lentil is usually what they call it. So it's a, a board that runs across the top to support that, um, the roof underneath that or above that door. And you need to make sure it's an appropriate thickness. So I decided to over-engineer ours, uh, with our large opening door. I think I used like a couple, um, two by eights set vertically, um, or maybe they were two by sixes. Either way, they were. I decided to just do it a little overkill, and so they would support that span since it was a pretty big span. So you want to make sure that space is supported. And then, of course, you have them resting on studs on either end of the door, uh, either side of the door, to support that weight going down to the floor joist. Okay, so when you have your framing set, and you, hopefully it's pretty square, um, then you add your you build in your windows and doors. Um, and a lot of people actually, what they choose to do is they'll just clad the whole area. Even if they frame out the windows and doors, they'll just slap the whole sheet of plywood on it and then cut the opening for it after it's put together. That prevents a lot of measurement errors, uh, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> I've made those errors before, and then you have to worry about patching your, your, um, your wall, which is not very fun. So, um, <clears throat> Just make sure um, whatever way you do it that you cut an appropriate opening for your windows and doors and then install them as, uh, you know, whatever type of opening you have. Uh, next, you want to consider your electrical. So if you're running electrical out there, you can uh, add your access panel um, or, you know, run in, a, you know, a, at least a circuit box through hopefully UL-approved um, conduit that's also weather-resistant and then run your electrical before you put up any, if you end up putting in any interior wall sheeting on, um, you want to do your electrical, of course, before that. Um, okay, next, uh, siding. So we have our walls. If you choose to put up siding, uh, you can, or if you get exterior grade plywood or, you know, some sort of um, lap board type stuff, uh, you may not need siding at all. So uh, just consider what you have and and whether or not it's a finish you want. Uh, and then, of course, uh, finishing out your interior and then also the access. So getting your entrance ramp in place or if you need steps on any part of it uh, and that sort of thing. And once you finish that up, you're pretty much done with your shed. And that's pretty much the whole process. I mean, I kind of ran through that last bit, but... Um, 
Hopefully that gives you an overview of all the steps involved. Like I said, this is a pretty involved project, uh, but it's also it can be very, very fun and very rewarding project. I'm really proud of our shed and the amount of space it gives us. Our kids love it. Um, when they come outside, the, one of the first things they do is open up the shed. They get to store all their toys and materials and tools in there uh, for their playing when they're outside. It's also really handy to store a lot of items. We have like a... Uh, a fire pit that we store out there, some summer toys, um, our, we have a push mower, we have our mower out there, wheelbarrows, uh, some outdoor tools, a lot of hand tools, that sort of thing. So it really does uh, do a lot to store our materials and kind of declutter our space, which is really nice. So I hope you've enjoyed this uh, run through of how to install, build and install your own shed and plan it out. And I hope you have the confidence to move forward with that. Um, I want to say again, you know, if this is something you're looking to do and you just like that, you know, extra support as you need it, really consider joining the membership. So the Easy Living Yards membership, all you do is go to ely.how slash membership. And right now you'll be jumped over to a waiting page where you can sign up to, uh, join as soon as the membership opens. And I'll let you know when that happens, of course. And this membership, I'll be able, you'll get access to me to coach you through this process. As you come up against problems, as you're planning it out, I'll be there to help you through the process to, to make progress for you and your landscape, whether it's a storage shed or your front yard landscaping, uh, just really consider whether the membership can be helpful for you this year in your landscape. So all the links, uh, today's links are just joining the membership. Also, um, Ozark Witch Hazel, if you're interested in learning more about that, link in the show notes for that. You can always ask me a question over at ely.how slash pod. And that'll right at the top of the page there, there's a button to ask me a question. And, uh, all these links are also available at ely.how slash episode 55, along with all the show notes for today's show. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I sure enjoyed talking about this process, and I really hope it's also helped you have the confidence to move forward in your landscape endeavors. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today. <laughs>